I had the I had the button pushed on my keychain unlock. I heard the little click. I'm ready to get. I was two seconds away from sanity. Now that was two o'clock yesterday, so it's twenty hours later, and I'm still psychotic about it. About a display in the parking lot downstairs that went on that is so unacceptable. And if anybody ever opens up a mouth like that to me, they'll have a knuckle sandwich in two seconds. And the people, I'm going to tell you, when you pick on, see, this is something that really just amazes me. It's real easy to pick on underlings. Anybody can do that. The board ops, the producers, the uh, tra uh, whoever it might be. Anybody can do that. See, I don't waste my time with that. I, wait, I, I spend my time dealing with management who are always incompetent and here at a level that is so staggering that it just blows my mind. But abusing the people who work around you, and by the way, most of the people I've encountered here, the, the so-called little people who are underpaid and overworked, are pretty damn good. Joe Costello, Robert, uh, Josh Friedman, he may be fat and smell bad, but he uh, did our show a few days. He did a fine job. Tommy in the morning, I don't know him, but it seems to me he probably does a good job. I don't know. Who's the, uh, who does Hank's show? Who has to put up with that crap every day? Josh and Jason. Josh and Jason, who good, have to be abused all the time. See, I'm going to tell you something. If you had a bad day at the track, if you had, uh, you know, not getting late enough, whatever it is, don't take it out of the people around you. It's not acceptable. Not acceptable. And it's sad that I have to waste time on this show, today especially. And I'll, waste, I'll spend plenty of time on it today. I feel like a school teacher here. I know I, I talked about it when I first started on this station eight weeks ago, and I said I'm going to have to bring these people kicking and screaming into the world of real radio, or at least something close to it, because they're so far removed from it that it's just unbelievable. You'd have to be here to believe it. You'd have to see it with your own five eyes to believe what goes on here day in and day out under the name of business. And abusing the people you work with every day, and I know that most of you listening to me right now, you work for other people. And let me say it one more time. If you work for yourself and you make a decent living, I'm not talking about rich, but if you work for yourself and you make a decent living, I can't tell you how envious I am of you. Because working for other people blows. It blows. Because most of the time, you wind up working for people who are inept, who are assholes, who are wannabes, who are liars, who are procrastinators, who don't know what the hell they're doing. But that doesn't mean you have to take crap. And I'm not going to mention any names on the air today, Phyllis. But I'm going to tell you right now, don't ever even dream of opening up a mouth to me. Because you'll not only have a knuckle sandwich, but your head will be on Uranus. It's 10.09 on 560 QAM. If you're feeling... Dairy Cubs broadcaster, there's action. The pitch! Strike at the... He threw that f ball right past Clark. Suspense. It f might be. It f could be. It is a f home run. Romance. Oh, look at the t on that broad, Steve. Holy cow. Clint Eastwood is Dirty Harry Carey. Coming to a theater near you. Let me hear you. A one. A two. A three. Take me out to the ball. So anyway, it's a 10.15 on 5.60 QAM. Like I said, it's a good thing. We knew he was uh, gone this time. We knew that was all over. And it was just a matter of time. But it's a real good thing, I guess, that uh, for me, also for my sanity, because it'll break up today what's uh, going to go on in this show. Just a little bit of uh, diversion. Because Harry Carey made me a Cub fan. I couldn't have given a crap less about the Chicago Cubs until I got a satellite dish in 1987, a big, uh, big dish. Watched WGN, and there was Harry Carey doing the Cubs games. And, of course, there's a little kid growing up. See, this down here, like I've told you many times, is a wasteland. 
All you get on AM radio down here is uh, no speak of English, but I be, but you get it's it's a uh, Tower of Babel down here because the the, the it's so low. Florida is flat as a pancake, and as a result, the signals from like living and breathing places don't get in here very often, very rarely. Maybe once in a while, if the wind is blowing in the right direction, you get WSB from Atlanta, <laughs> which blows. But as a kid growing up up north, you become a sports fan based on uh, that radio. Back in the days when there used to be real broadcasters, not a bunch of ex-jocks, but people who could paint a verbal picture and make any sport exciting, who could make the hair stand up on the back of your neck, who'd get you involved and make whatever the sport was, whatever the game was, get you emotionally involved in it. Even if it wasn't really all that exciting, they could still take it and make it exciting. And so I grew up listening to real broadcasters. Not Unfortunately, we've got like a, a one and a half generations now who have grown up being exposed to, to, to Bush leaguers, to ex-jocks. Joe Dagiola, Phil Rizzuto, Jerry Coleman. People who couldn't broadcast their way out of a goddamn paper sack because they once wore a jock strap. There are a couple of exceptions to that, like Pat Summerall, who's a great football announcer. I don't care what anybody says. Summerall's great. Especially when he's sober. But uh, most of these guys are garbage. But when you were a kid and you grew up listening to Mel Allen and Bob Prince and Vin Scully, who I'm not a fan of his, but nevertheless, he's still around. Not too, In fact, there's almost... And Ernie Harwell, who's also still around. And Harry Carey, KMOX, doing the Cardinals forever and ever. And Jack Buck, who started doing Rochester Red Wing baseball in the early 50s, wound up in St. Louis with Harry Carey. And so Harry Carey made me a Cubs fan, and the only reason I ever watched Cubs baseball, and I was lucky enough that the uh, second or third year, I guess the third, well, the second full season I watched Cubs baseball, is the year they won the division and went to the World Series. With Sandberg and Mark Grace and Mike Balecki and Greg Maddox, and I mean, uh, and then, of course, uh, IOD, because Mike Disney, our GM at that time, was from Chicago and a Cubs fan. We started doing that thing every year where we would go up to Chicago and do a show from Murphy's Bleachers right across from Wrigley Field. And it was a waste of programming. I mean, there's no question in my mind that doing those shows just blew off the entire audience. But I loved it. It was great. It was a lot of fun. And George even got to go uh, one year for about two minutes until they said, okay, get back on a plane and go back home because you're having too good of a time and it's for free and we're paying for it. Right? Yeah. We were, <laughs> we were sitting right under him, by the way. Huh? He, he spat, spat up on the backs of our heads. We were sitting right under him, remember? When he leaned out to sing the uh, Take Me Out to the yeah. Ball Game. Was right well, he him. also came on the show the one year. I don't know if you were there that year. No, that was the year before where Marvin got to go, even though I was your producer. Yeah, well, Marvin, of course, that's another story. But at any rate, speaking of abusing the producers, there's somebody who should have been abused, and I didn't even abuse him. God, what a waste. We should bring him back, try it again for about just one show would be good. Make up for lost time. But at any rate, so the one year, I guess it was the first year we did the show up there, and at that time, Saul Foos was my agent. I wonder if Saul's still in jail. But anyway, he was my agent. He was also Harry Carey's lawyer and agent. And since they were so tight, Saul Foose was kind enough to uh, get Harry to, you know, come over to Murphy's Bleachers before the game, which was a big deal because everybody's always... Harry was uh, driven by limousine from the hotel he lived at in Chicago, which somebody will call and tell me. I don't remember which hotel it was. But he and his wife, Dutchie, lived in this hotel. And because Harry didn't drive, because uh, he liked to... Um, be a bud man and imbibe a hell of a lot, uh, they used to bring him by limo to Wrigley Field every day. And so we're on the air doing the show, and it gets to be, let's see, in Chicago, it would have been uh, the game start there at 2.20, so it was 1.20. We're still on the air. So maybe it was like about 12.30, I guess. And Harriet's been supposed to come by around that time, didn't show up, and I'm saying, well, of course, we know how busy he is. He's not going to be able to make it today, but it's really great to be here across from Wrigley Field. You get Murphy's Bleachers, you look out the window, and there's the ballpark right across the street. And now, as I'm saying this, the door opens, and here's this very little unimposing man with these big glasses walks in, and there's Harry, who took the time because Salfus asked him to do it and came on the show. And he was just as uh, amazing in person as he was on the air. A real character, one in a billion. Then I brought back the days when he did uh, St. Louis Billikens basketball on KMOX, which most people, of course, uh, don't even know that he ever did that. And was great at it, too. I mean, to think that I'm listening to University of St. Louis basketball on the radio on KMOX, I mean, how the hell could I have been interested? And it really wasn't. But he just made it so goddamn exciting that you couldn't help but listen. 
And back in those days, Buddy Blattner. Now, there's another ex-jock, and he was great. He did the uh, St. Louis Hawks games. Back in the days when you had a few white people playing basketball, and you didn't have to be a seven-foot freak to play, and it was a great and exciting game. When Bob Pettit and Cliff Hagen and all those guys were playing for the uh, St. Louis Hawks. In fact, Buddy Blattner was so popular in uh, St. Louis that when he tried to retire one year, there was such an outcry from the fans that he had to come back and do another season of Hawks basketball. So anyway, after all these years of growing up and listening to these people, then I got to meet here. And like I said, 87 got the satellite dish and became a big Cub fan and watched all those games. And even, even the last couple of years, as bad as the Cubs have been, if I was home in the afternoon, especially on a weekend, and there was nothing else on, I'd flip over to WGN. There would be Harry doing the games. And it was, it was kind of sad. It was kind of sad because the last three, four years especially, after he had the incident, not just so much after he had the stroke a few years ago, but after he fell down down here. That was about three, four years ago at the PP Park. And he really was never the same again after that. And, of course, here's a guy who had a stroke. But, it, you know, it's, it's the choice you make. He wanted to live life to the fullest, and he was a, a carouser and a drinker, and et cetera, and uh, that was his choice. But he still made it to 78, which ain't all that bad. Not too bad, especially to be able to live life the way you want it and enjoy every minute of it. And so Harry Carey is gone, and what that basically leaves, you got your Ernie Harwell in Detroit, who they tried to screw over, and then the fans forced them to bring him back. And Ben Scully in Los Angeles. And you got a bunch of, and you got, you know, a few, a few people, like Mike Lang in Pittsburgh, who are real creative, real personalities, real strong identity, real great broadcasters who can paint a verbal picture and make sports exciting. But boy, are they a vanishing breed. Another ten years, there won't be anybody like that anymore. I became a hockey fan in 1958 and never saw a hockey game in my life. Never saw it. There was no hockey on television then. And as a kid flipping around on my radio there, and I used to listen to all that baseball, and on Saturday night, I'd come across 740 uh, CBL in Toronto. And I would listen to this man on there. It was Bill Hewitt. And I thought, God, this is awful exciting. I don't know what it is, but it's very exciting. And it was hockey night in Canada. And I started listening, and I became a Maple Leaf fan 40 years ago based on listening on a radio. And I would tune in every Saturday night, and then I would start following the results in the newspaper. And here, 40 years later, I'm still stuck with the same crappy team, but nevertheless, it's an important part of my life. Based on great broadcasters. And so when somebody insults my intelligence and tries to tell me that pretenders, and I don't want to mention any names, Chris Moore, but people who sit and try to be comedians and refuse to describe the action, that people who couldn't make a game exciting if he held a gun to their head, that these are broadcasters, these are sportscasters, most of these guys today are a joke. Fred Cusick just retired in Boston to the Bruins for 100 years. One of the best, one of the greatest. And he was in, I don't know, Fred was about the same age, I guess, as Harry Carey, close to 80. And he could still be working. Could still be working and could still be one of the best. Because he made the game exciting. Because he was into it. Because he was a fan. Because he knew how to paint a verbal picture, even on television. Even on television, painting a verbal picture. Last night came across because, uh, what do we got, these Olympics? There's nothing on. It's a joke. Came across on classic sports on a small dish. They were showing the final game between Canada and Russia from the Canada Cup, 1987. And Dan Kelly was doing a game on CTV. You know, one thing about classic sports that bothers me a little bit, they dig up all this great old vi uh, footage, but they never give credit. In fact, I don't think they even know who some of these people are. They never give credit and tell you who the announcers were. And Dan Kelly, there's another voice from KMOX in St. Louis and the St. Louis Blues and before that the Montreal Canadiens. One of the greats. The son can't broadcast his way out of a paper bag over there with the avalanche, but nevertheless, Dan Kelly was one of the greats. And there he was last night doing that Canada Cup game. So that's one of the reasons that this whole, we were talking about it yesterday, this synthetic era of sports 
with all these contrived songs and all this bull crap and with the signs up there that show you when to applaud and when you're supposed to get excited and all these prefabricated ballparks that all look the same and smell the same. Not a question of living in the past. It's a question of having had something taken away from you. Because it used to be fun. And now it's nothing but business. It's all it is, just business. There, there isn't even the slightest element of fun to most sports anymore. And, of course, here we are on your all-sports station. And in a couple of days, or a few days, or in a couple of weeks, when they start dropping the bombs on, on Iraq, I've been wondering this the last few hours, because I did see several times yesterday, CNN showed that over and over and over, that the media... That was supposed to be an orchestrated thing. They're, they're, you know, Bubba was on there the other day, and hey, I'm all for him. I hope that they bomb the Iraqis into the Stone Age. Because like Clemenza said in Godfather 1, if they'd have stopped Hitler at Munich, they wouldn't have had to be there right then. But here's all these punks at Columbus. Well, there may have been about a dozen of them making a lot of noise. So they showed that over and over and over again. Of course, it's very obvious the seeds are being planted now that we're going to go in there again. And I'm thinking to myself, I'm taking that one little finger now, and I'm scratching that little spot on the back of my head. I'm playing Gregory Jr. now, and I'm scratching that spot, and I'm looking down at the floor, and I'm asking myself, what's going to happen when Gulf War Part Two starts? Having been on WIOD during Gulf War Part One and during Hurricane Andrew and during a lot of other things that were going on in this community where people tuned in to hear us talk about them, Oh, I do have a TV set up here, thanks to Jeff Cohen. We have a satellite dish here, thanks to... Uh, Digital World Satellite. Digital World Satellite Company. We're kind enough to donate to, uh, to us. And I do have a window so I can look out the window and see if there are any mushroom clouds forming down on 441. Or any magic mushrooms growing in a parking lot. But other than that, I have... Uh, what do we do? Just as Bob Prince would say, we just kiss it goodbye. We just kiss the audience goodbye and hope that it's a real quick war and only lasts for two or three days. 1028 on 560 WQAM. A Atlanta. I got your luxury right here. Nothing like a big mouth New Yorker, I'll tell you that to make your day. 1033 on 560 WQAM. I'll get back to that story. I will. But let's uh, take a few calls here. Here's Miami. Hello. Miami. Neil? Yes, sir. Yeah, good morning. Listen, Neil, um, uh, I'm, I know nothing about the radio business, but who writes those different ditties and songs that you have on your programs? I think it's fantastic the way they do it. So soon, right after an incident happened. Yeah. And who, who writes what, those? What do you mean, so soon after an incident Well, happened? like this morning, when you opened up. Oh, that, that's old stuff. Oh, that's old stuff? Yeah. Oh, okay. That I brought back at the appropriate time, you know. But who writes those things? Very creative people. You're not kidding. I mean, they, they do a hell of a job. Now, you, uh, you started out, and you said a very interesting thing. You said you know nothing about broadcasting? Right. You're hired. <laughs> We have two open lines in Dade. In fact, he could be our next program director or general manager. 5670560, pound 560 on the AT&T line. See, if I were the program director right now, instead of worrying about, you know, whether uh, the Dolphins are going to draft somebody with a real tight end in the April uh, draft, I'd be worrying about what we're going to do on this radio station if and when we have Gulf War Part Two. You know, like maybe having a, yeah, right. See no evil, hear no evil. Because when we had Gulf War Part 1, which is six years ago, the station wasn't doing an all-sports format, and I'm sure that they probably had UPI audio. or They had some contact with the outside world. Not that I'm here trying to tell anybody what to do, but between 10 and 2 here, at least we would like to, to realize, to recognize the fact that there are occasionally in life things that transcend wearing a jockstrap. And by the way, speaking of things that transcend that, I drive home here yesterday after a psychotic hour was... I, I feel like an hour was stolen from my life yesterday. Not that I would have been doing anything important, but if I was sitting home picking my nose, it would have been more worthwhile than standing down in the parking lot yesterday, bop, 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 with a bunch of horse crap. But I get home at about 3.30 yesterday afternoon, and I pull up to the intersection there where I, on the street where I live, and guess what? Oh, 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 oh. There's the traffic light working. Not flashing anymore, but working. Solid green and solid red. Like a real honest-to-God traffic light there in Plantation. Nice going, guys. Oh. All right. Of course, it's just a coincidence. Just like that article that appeared in the Sun Sentinel on Monday, 
was just a coincidence that it was verbatim what that asshole called here, that cop, on Friday, and ba 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 was, uh, you know, give me a song and a dance. That was just a coincidence, too. So you're making some progress out there in the acres and around Plantation. That's good. That's good. And if you want to get a few assholes off the road during this uh, witch hunt that's going on, that'll be good, too. Of course, just writing a lot of speeding tickets, that's, that's nothing new. We're not really all that impressed by that. And it might be a good idea to get that one holdover 30-mile-an-hour speed limit sign that you got over there going westbound on sunrise that you conveniently just happened somebody left it up there. Now that all the other ones have vanished because there's no way in the world the construction's done, guys. No more construction zone. No more double fines. Here's Coral Springs. Hello. Hey, Neil. Yes, sir. I uh, work for one of your sponsors. We just had our spot on, and this is Winston's. We're talking about uh, traffic. Uh, yesterday, a parts delivery man made a delivery of our parts department on the way out of the dealership was had a minor accident, and he waited four and a half hours for a cop to come. Mm. Well, they're too busy with with these witch hunts going on now. Well, in Incorporated Broward County, all the uh, BSO. Yeah, but but the FHP does their traffic. They don't do accidents. And the poor guy was on a schedule. He was working, trying to support his family, had things to do. Four and a half hours, and the cop finally showed up. Unbelievable. With his, with his four radar things in the window. Uh-huh. I've been busy on 95 giving tickets. Sorry, I had to wait four and a half hours. Mm-hmm. Isn't that unbelievable? Yes, it is. And we're paying their salary. Just keep that in mind, my friend. Absolutely. Have a great day. You too, buddy. See ya. Bye. We have an open line at Broward, 5670560, pound 560 on the AT&T wireless line. Here at your uncivilized station. Let me say it again. Starting today, I can't control what goes on in the other building, and far be it for me to tell other people what to do, but I can't open up my own mouth here on the air because I'm not intimidated by anybody, and especially by anybody that works in this company. No matter how loud, how fat, how militant they may be, doesn't impress me, holds no water with me. And the saddest thing that I see working here only uh, seven weeks now, it hasn't taken me very long, is how beaten down and whipped most of the people are who work here. Because they've been abused, they've been ignored. And because this crap that goes on upstairs, see, it's not, we're not talking about two people, we're talking about two different bodies. It's like Linda Blair. This person I'm talking about today, which I don't want to mention Phyllis by name, but this is, this is the, general manager in another body. This is the soul soulmate, an incarnation of the general manager in another form. They're joined literally and figuratively at the hip. And she can stand in a parking lot and hock me a china and defend Greg Reed and defend the stories and the representations and the lies that have been made to me for the last 11 months since I was signed to do this show on this station. She might as well go and fart into a windstorm and have the same impact. Not impressed. I'm not interested. Don't waste my time. I have to go out there and break traffic laws. I don't have time to stand around in the parking lot when I leave here every day at 2 o'clock. You know, it's interesting because the first, first few weeks we were here, a couple of times she was down here and I'd, you know, leave at about 5 after 2. There's no reason for me to be here at 2.05. I'm done for the day. I'm here nice and early in the morning. George is here way before I am. He's here way after I am. He's doing work. I'm doing my work right now. And did a lot of work in the weeks before we came on the air and would have done a lot more if we had equipment to do it with. But I'm not interested in hanging around and being a yenta. Because one thing I've learned over the years is people who hang around when they're not working at any kind of a place tend to spread gossip and poison. And so when you're done for the day, it's always a real good idea to say, have a great day, see you tomorrow, see you Monday, have a great life, goodbye, get in your vehicle, get on the bus, get on the Hershey Highway, and get the hell out. 20 before 11 on 560 QAM, there seem to be a lot of shoot. 5 on 560 QAM, here's a mobile in Fort Lauderdale, hello. Hey, Neil. Yes, sir. I have a Brooke Daniels spy report. Yeah. Before I tell you the spy report, I have to tell you the thing about the, uh, <laughs> yeah. the Domino's pizza situation. I think that's the biggest abortion I've ever heard of. With the drivers not going in a certain neighborhood. What do you mean by that? Well, I mean the fact that they, they uh, the, the drivers don't want to go in the bad neighborhood. 
and the bad neighborhoods happen to be black, the black people are being persecuted. Right. Yeah, right. Exactly. It, it, it's always the same thing. You're, you're uh, persecuting, you're discriminating because you're not willing to risk your life and come into a neighborhood where there's all this crime. Exactly. The judge ought to be, uh, like I said, the judge ought to be forced to go to work for Domino's for a week and make him deliver all the pizzas in that neighborhood. Well, I'll tell you what, at about, night. about a year ago at Florida A&M University, the Rattlers, yeah. The, the pizza companies absolutely stopped delivering in those neighborhoods because they were being ripped off and beaten up and everything. I think even a year ago, someone was killed over a friggin' pizza. Nice. Now, the Brooke Daniels Spy Report. Yes, sir. <laughs> Besides the Who also, by the way, was extremely abusive to her board ops and totally unacceptable in her behavior. But go ahead, sir. Besides the fact that she's having my baby, I saw her on Young Circle, okay, pushing a push cart around the circle and you know what neil her leg is not wood it's plastic which means what what does all of that mean her leg is not wooden it's plastic okay we have an open line in broward at five what what did this man just get through what was that what did he say you don't remember that they were making jokes uh pretending she had a wooden leg on the air no I don't know who started it, whether it was on that show or Rick and Sons or... And she's having his baby and she's got a wooden leg? I, I, yeah. I have no idea what this man was just talking yeah. about. very, very old. But since you mentioned Rick Riley, though, and I was talking yesterday about how much I like Rick, Rick and Suds and we had a lot of fun working together, that's all true. The one thing that did disturb me, well, there were a couple, there were several, but one thing that disturbed me the most about Rick that he did that is unacceptable, and that is abusing the board ops. You don't do that. And especially Adam, who is a hard worker and really dedicated. Whatever show he's working on, he puts his energy into it. He's a dedicated trooper, man. Next to George, he was the best over there. And you ought to appreciate it. When you have somebody good working for you, you should appreciate it and treat him right. That doesn't mean you always have to uh, agree with him. But to abuse people, to browbeat people, and to do it on the air or off the air, but on and off the air, it's unacceptable. And we had a mistake. And yes, I did uh, go ballistic over at the end of the show. I wasn't taking it out on anybody in particular. I just was pointing out that it's par for the course on this joint because this place is so screwed up. And so somebody upstairs, our traffic lady, which I don't want to mention Phyllis by name, but somebody upstairs uh, gets wind of this, which I'm sure she's listening right now, and I'm very happy to know that. And starts calling people over in the other building at QAM and abusing and screaming at uh, all kinds of people, none of whom, by the way, were responsible. And even if they were, wasn't the end of the world. It was a mistake and it was embarrassing. Playing the same spot twice in one break. But it wasn't justification for reaming people out and carrying on and screaming and abusing people, some of whom are working for minimum wage or next to it and having to take a lot of crap. And so if I have to spend a lot of the show today, and I'm not, I'm not doing it to try to paint myself out as being Mr. Primadonna. I'm not. But I just don't believe in abusing the people that you work with. Now, in management, I'll make an exception for that because they deserve it. These people especially. You can't complain about our management because we don't have any. We have wannabes. We have people who make all kinds of promises and grandiose representations, and then you come to find out, well, they really don't have the final say on these things anyway. Because the Beasley people over there in Naples, these are the ones that control the purse strings on this outfit, which is why every single check for any amount, no matter how small it may be, has to come from Naples and has to be signed off on by the Beasleys. Which is also why people wait for weeks and months and for a lifetime sometime before they get paid by the Beasleys. And I'm not making that up. I have no reason. When I came to work here, always, like when I started with Paxton, the first three months were a paradise. They left me alone. We were having a good time. We had some asshole engineers Roy! and Max. But generally speaking, uh, it was paradise. We had a great book. That fall book was gigantic. It was humongous. The log was sold out with real spots, by the way. And it was paradise. Then, of course, when it came time to renegotiate that window in my contract and Buddy Bud started acting like Buddy Bud, Paxson, then we started having some real problems. And even though George will find this distressing that I would say this, after they blew out Steve Nichol because they thought they were doing me a favor and brought in Pete Bolger and Walter Sabo, the Bobsy twins, and started dicking around with the programming and putting all those corny, that corny crap on here and brought in John Ford to bring back the old corny IOD jingles. How's IOD doing now, by the way? 
How's the talk on IOD? Oh, they're not doing talk anymore? They're all news? WIOD? Oh, I hate that station. But I went in there with the best of hopes in spite of all the things that I've warned about. Buddy Bud is born again. He's this, he's that, he's a madman, etc. I went in there with the greatest of hopes because uh, they inherited me. They inherited my contract. I had no choice at that time. And so when I came over here, I had the best of hopes. And people, Gary Sarner is telling me, and this one up there, uh, the one I'm talking about today, which I don't want to mention Phyllis Bynum, they're telling me, oh, you'll never work for anybody better than Greg Reed. He's the best guy in the world. Bada beep, bada boop. He takes care of his people. His word is gold and yada yada. And then, of course, I proceeded to go through several months of near-nervous breakdowns every time I was back in town. And, you know, thank God I spent most of that seven months out of town and out of the country, far away from here, or I'd be in a rubber room right now. I'm only right now at this moment starting to calm down just a little bit from the first uh, 50 minutes of the show and the, and the preceding 20 hours. Let me take another call or two, then I'll, then I'll, because I want to set this up with the whole story of exactly what took place, which other people might not have thought so much about. But to me, it epitomized where I am and what's going on here. And it's an ugly picture. And it's not going to continue like this. I am and what's going on here. And it's an ugly picture. And it's not going to continue like this. You have my word on that. It is not going to continue like this. Here's Coral Springs. Hello. Hey, Neil. How are you doing? Okay, sir. Uh, I just came back from Chicago last night, and i got to tell you something. Um, there's real grief yeah. there over, over Harry's death. I haven't seen people so upset since Richard J. died. Yeah. And uh, uh, if you give me uh, just a minute, I, I wanted to give you some personal memory I had of, of him. You know, I grew up near the ballpark, and I... Uh, Went to see the Cubs long before um, Harry was there. Right. And um, but I got to tell you something. Uh, you know how the if you live in Chicago, you either love the Cubs or you love the Sox, and mm -hmm. there's no crossover. Right. But when Harry was uh, broadcasting with Jimmy Pearsall uh, on the Sox, the two of them were so funny. I started listening to Sox games, and right. I can't. I can't. You, it, it, if you're from Chicago, Chicago, and you say you're a Cubs fan, and you say you're listening to a Sox game. That's like an incredible thing. Right. And uh, so the, the thing I liked about Harry is that, well, you remember after, at the Cubs ballpark, uh, when the players leave, there's a little parking lot behind the park near the fire station. And the players all come, out, come into this private parking lot, and they all get into their limos or their cars, and they pull out this gate. And, uh, you, know, you know, kids could be waiting for uh, an autograph. Sometimes they get them, sometimes they don't. Well, Harry always went out the front door facing where the cubby bear is. And he would just walk uh, over to his limo. And, I mean, anybody could come up to him and get an autograph. Anybody yeah. could come up to him and talk to him. He was never too busy for anybody. And, I mean, he really loved the game. And, um, and I think he epitomized what a Cubs fan was. And that was a guy who just came to enjoy the game. Right. And he didn't care if they won or they lost. And one it of was, the things I loved about Harry is that was he, was, he, was, he was fun and he was also like me. And that is that he wasn't afraid to take people on. In other words, if, if the management of the Cubs were making bad deals, if the players were playing crappy, he wasn't going to sugarcoat it. He was going to come on there and rip them an ass. And he did. And, uh, you know, he took a lot of heat for it. But nevertheless, he did it because uh, he was a fan. Oh, yeah. That was the one thing that people loved about Harry was he was such a breath of fresh air when he came in. Because you had Lloyd Pettit doing the uh, Sox games right. and Jack Brickhouse doing the Cubs games. And they were both shills for management. Right. They would never say anything bad. And then Harry came in and started saying what was on his mind. And, then, of course, it's what all the fans have been saying all those years. And, but they actually have somebody say it and stay on the air was just incredible. Yeah. People couldn't believe it. You know, those two or three years when we went, went up there and did those shows from uh, Murphy's Bleachers and then went to the ball games across the street. And you'd get to that seventh inning stretch, and uh, everybody in the ballpark would stand and look up there to the uh, broadcast booth. And, of course, you were always hoping that you were in a seat that was, you know, you were praying you weren't in a seat where you couldn't turn back and see it. Because one year we were up there, and you couldn't see the booth. <clears throat> and just to be there while he was doing the take me out to the ball game and see the reaction of the crowd, and to be there in person and be a part of that was really great. Anyway, I just wanted to say to Frank Osowski, who was the chief bartender over at Harry Carey's, uh, I know how you're feeling today, buddy. And um, believe me, Harry, this bud's for you. Okay, pal. Thanks a lot. Yep, never be the same again. 
We have an open line in Dade, one in Broward. 5670560, pound 560 on the AT&T wireless line. 99 bucks a month for a new Toyota Tacoma pickup. It sounds... First pitch of the ball game, the bump wheels is high. One ball, no strike. Bump wheels. Son of Mari will. Great base stealing champ. There's a long drive deep right field way back. Might be out of here. Is he excited? He opens the Major League's season in the American League with a line drive home run over the right field wall. One thing Soda can be sure of today, he will not pitch a no-hitter and he will not pitch a shutout. That was from Harry Carey's first broadcast with the Chicago Cubs. How do you like that? From 19, I don't know what the year is, I'd only be guessing. But at any rate, so, you know, I've got all kinds of hairy stuff at home and uh, didn't have really time. In fact, I didn't realize he had died until I got up this morning and turned on the TV, even though we knew it was imminent. We have an open line in Dade 1 in Broward, 5670560, pound 560 on the Mobile One line. Here's Doral. Hello. Hello. Yes, sir. Hey, good morning. Good morning. Uh, listen, to change the subject um, a bit. Uh, you just mentioned you didn't watch the news till this morning, so you didn't get a chance to see the new anchor woman on Channel 7 News? No, I did not. Very professional. You could tell she's in the wrong place. Um, also, in the article, when they first got rid of Kelly Mitchell, uh-huh. there was a part in the article that said she could not, or I guess her agent could not be reached for comment. Right. Isn't it funny when it's the other way around, they can't be reached? But, you know, when they're doing the news, they, they try to, you know, find us as best as possible to get our comments. You know, mm-hmm. when it's the other way around, you mm-hmm. can't find them. Right. Another thing... Um, I've been looking all over the place for this uh, fish food ice cream, and I can't find it anywhere. Who did you say makes it? Ben and Jerry's. Oh, Ben and Jerry? Okay. I, um, went, into, I went into Publix last night in the wake, and I, I'm not blaming other people for the fact that I'm blowing up like a balloon and gaining all the weight back that I lost, and then some. Mm-hmm. But I went in for my uh, Ben and Jerry's fish food last night, and the, one of the young guys, one of the assistant managers in there, I'm looking and I'm looking, and he comes over and says, oh, it's right, and it was hiding underneath some other, you know, about 20 other... Uh, Containers. Yeah, because I saw other ones like something Garcia and Terry. Gar- yeah. Terry Garcia is good. And the chunky monkey. Chunky all that. monkey blows, but yeah. trust me when I tell you, fish food man, it'll set you on fire. Well, I'll keep looking for that. Also, I don't like vanilla unless um, it's got a hot brownie under it and almonds on top and hot fudge. That's how I like. There you vanilla. go. Have a great day, pal. Man of- and the other situation, I would say, I would echo your sentiments exactly as far as this on-air abuse and uh, verbal uh, situations going on. Uh, any behavioralist will tell you that's uh, rather unbecoming stuff. So, Not only unbecoming, but people who have very, very uh, screwed up egos and who have got very serious problems are the ones who lash out at everybody else. I'm not, I'm not just talking about having an argument once in a great while or having a disagreement or poking fun at somebody. I'm talking about abusing the people that you work with every day. This is not acceptable practice, and the management of this radio station had better understand that it better stop. And, it, you know, what's good for the goose is good with the gander. Somebody got suspended on this station several months ago for that kind of behavior, and I'm going to tell you something. One of the people that he was supposed to be abusing is the most abusive people that I've encountered in this entire company so far. So what's good for the goose is good with the ga- for the gander. If we're going to protect the people who work for this company from being abused verbally and in other ways from people, then it's going to have to also come from the uh, clone upstairs here. Well said. Thank have you, Neil. Great, have a great day, pal. But since, of course, she's the alter ego and got her head so far up Greg Reed's rectum that, that we'll never ever see it again, it makes it very difficult for people to be objective about any of this. Somebody made a mistake, okay? Somebody made a mistake. That doesn't mean that the board ops at the other building, including the ones who do a damn good job, like Joe and Robert and some of the other people, have to be terrorized because somebody's got a bug up her ass today and is having a nervous breakdown. See, is this a New York thing? Is that what that is? With that raspy, you mother effing son of a... I mean, what is that? I mean, we, I've worked around... I can't imagine the 20-some uh, years I've been in this town and almost 40 years in this business... I've worked with nice people, abrasive people, very calm, laid-back people, uh, a lot of people in the middle of all of that, people who were, like, kind of volatile, who'd go off uh, on a moment's notice. You know what I'm talking about? Hey, stupid! But uh, I have never encountered this. And back on that other station, when the uh, Cox people owned it, when we were down on the 79th Street Causeway working in that sick building, and Cheryl Ween, uh, Cheryl Rifkin, our good friend Cheryl, uh, she had her moments... 
And she's been there for a long time because she knows where the bodies are buried and she can be a manipulative person, but uh, hey. And she had run-ins with people. When people would be abusive with her, she would be abusive right back. And I don't have a problem with that. Somebody's going to give me crap, I'll give it right back to them. And yes, I can recall, I think once or twice, having a screaming match, once with Boy Gary and once with the sales manager, Jeff Clark, in the hallway, myself, and seeing a couple of other very explosive exchanges in the hallway or around the building. But that's over a period of nine years. You get more of that in nine minutes in this company than you've ever seen in your lifetime, than I've seen in the 35 years I've been in radio put together. And I'm going to say it again, it is unfreaking mother scratching acceptable. Got it? And oh, I got another message for you too, okay? This ain't the Christian Science smoking room. George is in there to answer the phones and to run the board and to do whatever it is that, that we do between 10 and 2 here, not to yenta with people that want to come down here, not to mention any names. So they can smoke their faggots. You can smoke your faggots outside on the front stoop there, which is where I encountered Gary Sarner this morning as he was looking down, looking to see if there was anything down there and shaking his head because obviously there was not. See, I was right about him, and I didn't even know this guy. Now, you told me he was an asshole, and you were right. And I said he had balls like a mosquito. And how I, how I perceive, I'm a very perceptive guy, I really am. How I perceive that, I don't know. And I said to him, I came here this morning and I got out of my car in a parking lot and he was sitting out there smoking a cigarette on the stoop, which is apropos, stoop. And I said to him, I said, you know something? The abuse that you took here yesterday, I said, if I ever took that kind of verbal abuse from anybody, I would go home, look in the mirror, and I would blow my brains out because at that point I'd realize I had no self-respect. And I'll, I will give you the story. I'll give you the round this uh, incredible hour that I wasted of my life outside here yesterday, which is kind of the epitome of this entire Beasley Bead company. There are some people that have been here too long. They need to be shaken up. They need, to, they need a reawakening, a rebirth, that somebody needs to kick in the ass and say, hey, this ain't going to fly anymore, okay? Maybe it was okay before, but not now. 10 after 11 on 560 QAM, our... We love girls in their only area performance if you don't see this show then you don't know spooge 11:16 and 5:60 wqam so yesterday at the end of the show in our final commercial break we had a spot that ran twice this is the second or third time it's happened this week a 30 second commercial that ran twice in the same commercial break at the beginning of the recorded spots and at the end and i sat here with my mouth open down to my pupic and I came back on the air since it was the end of the show. And I gave a little two-minute seminar to the people in sales and in traffic and whoever else works here that you don't run a, a sponsor's commercial twice in the same break. And then I find out the reason for this was that this is Petaluma Restaurant. And it really bothered me. It bothers me for any advertiser. But it bothers me because we had a great meal there several weeks ago. George and myself and John and uh, uh, Crystal and uh, Z Zoltan and his wife. His name is Zoltan, by the way, not Zoltan. Whatever. Whatever. I, well, whatever it is. We'll get to that in a minute, by the way. There's a thunderclap at the end, whatever it is. But at any rate, so we had a wonderful dinner. It's a great place. They gave me my own little special uh, cigar or a locker there, and they're very nice people. The food was fantastic. Great steaks and Italian food. They got a nice smoke room in there. It's a wonderful place. Great sponsor. And it disturbs me because they're paying their money, and they were buying a 60-second spot, and evidently Geldy's over there in Japan playing a squeaky-voiced radio, and he's not here to redo the commercial. And as a result, so instead of, instead of scratching the commercial, which they're paying for a 60-second spot, because we only have this 30, instead of scratching it, or instead of writing a 30-second spot in twice in two different parts of the show to be the equivalent of a 60-second commercial, some genius over there decided that we would just run the same spot twice in the same break, well, it takes up 60 seconds. That would be like my sitting here and saying, I got a 60-second spot to do for uh, Pizza Loft. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to say, hey, Pizza Loft really has great food. Hey, Pizza Loft really has great, you know, Pizza Loft really has great food. And do that for 60 seconds. That would not be a commercial, and Jeff Cohen would not pay for it, although he would like uh, all the mentions. See, he likes getting it for free now, which is why I'm doing it, and the spot too. 
So I went a little ballistic about that, and come to find out that after I walked out of here at about 2.03, not all that overly concerned, but it was just uh, another, another one of these QAM aberrations that I'm becoming used to, although I don't like them, and I'm trying to do something to embarrass people into correcting them. And I was on my merry way out the door, and I got down as far as that stoop out back, and there was, speaking of stoop, there was Gary Sarner. There was Mosquito Tool himself sitting there on the stoop smoking a faggot. I said, how you doing? I Okay, get to my car. I press that little unlock button on my keychain. I am only moments away, like two seconds, from opening the door and being on my merry way toward the turnpike. And I hear, Neil! And it's Mosquito Tool. And he comes wandering over because he, bah, 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 bah. he wants to do the Yenta routine. Wants to get into a whole Yenta song and a dance about all these rumors about the station being sold. And what he's heard is that Cox Broadcasting wanted to buy Power 96 and Kiss, but had no interest in buying QAM. And, of course, it would make no sense to me, really, in spite of all the hopes that I have. It would make no sense for the Cox Broadcasting, for the sisters, to sell IOD with a much superior signal and practically give it away, including the property, and then come back a year or so later and buy this station. With all the debt from the uh, Wayne Huizinga, with all the sports franchises, with the uh, big payroll with the inferior signal. It just wouldn't make any sense, even though that's the rumor that we continue hearing. So I'm engaged in a, a conversation about that, and then uh, he asked me something about a certain sponsor, which is one of his accounts, which has been running multiple times on this show. He said, you know, those people are only buying one spot a day. They're only going to pay for one spot a day. I don't know what that's all about. Why is she putting it... And I said, I really don't know, but I find it very annoying because it becomes extremely repetitive, and I don't think that... Company A will call them, just for argument, just to use a, uh, a letter, that they want to buy all those spots every day. It really isn't necessary, and they're spending a lot of money, and I don't think it's right that, uh, you know. So now, the person that I've been talking about here today, although I do not want to mention Phyllis by name, comes uh, waltzing out the door and starts saying, ah, that. and at that point, there wasn't even a half a word out of her mouth. I said, hey, Phyllis. How come company so-and-so is uh, running on my log twice today and three times yesterday? Because it's Gary's account, and he tells me that they're only buying one spot a day. Well, at that point, at that moment, remember when we dropped the bombs on Nagasaki and Hiroshima? At that point, they're unleashed as she came racing over to where we were standing, close to my car, all the way across the parking lot. A torrent of verbal abuse at Gary Sarner, the likes of which I have, I don't think I've ever seen from anybody in this business to another human being. And because the guy evidently is wimpy, I mean, he never stole a freight train. He's probably not that bad of a guy. Maybe I don't know him that well. I really don't. I have no grudge, no axe to grind with him. But because he's wimpy and kind of a putz, I guess it's another easy target when you've got people intimidated and they're used, they're conditioned into being screamed at. And they'll pay for those mother effing spots and I'll get goddamn Greg Reed. And this, I, I'm telling you, I thought that eyeballs were going to come popping out of this person's head. And I'm standing there, not knowing whether to scream or eat Chiquita Banana. And now the conversation switches to this playing the Petaluma spot twice in one break at the end of the show yesterday. And Luann, our sales manager, such as she is, is standing there also. So now there are four of us standing out there, and this conversation is developing. And I called over there, and I told Joe, and I told this, and I told... And this hysterical performance is going on. Linda Blair, on her most psychotic day in The Exorcist, Never came close to a performance like this. I mean, we got the Oscars coming up very soon. Why not make our own nomination? And then she turns to me and says, Well, you know, that account, that Zoltan, Zoltan, that you think is so great. And at that point is when I should have just walked away and got into my car and left the premises. I never said Zoltan, Zoltan, whatever his name is, was so great. I said he looks great, which he does. And he's a nice guy, which he is, and is bright and articulate, and we had a good dinner that night. He's got a lovely wife, and uh, he probably could be. This is his first job in radio sales, like many of our people. And he probably could be a damn good sales guy, 
with a little bit of guidance and assistance and not too much browbeating. But you see the, you see the way this all fits in together? Everybody, everybody is inept. Everybody is incompetent. Except this one person who's the alter ego of the general manager. Because she's been here a very long time and will defend him to her death. Will defend the defenseless. Will make excuses for aberrant behavior, for lies, for procrastination that is unbelievable. I don't need a lecture from Phyllis or anybody else about the experiences that I've had with this company these last 11 months. With the near nervous breakdown of having to coerce people to live up to their word to build these studios such as they are. With attempts to get paid for things that were supposed to be paid to me, like for hockey tickets, and to get people paid who had done shows for this radio station. I could give you a list of stories, and we're still working, my lawyer, by the way, on where are those TV spots and billboards to promote this show that are in my contract and were promised that we've had a half a dozen different dates we've been told they're going to start, and I've been on the air here almost two months, and still haven't seen a guy with a sandwich board promoting the Neil Rogers show or the Hank Goldberg show or the worst team or anybody else. Haven't seen it anywhere, nowhere. And I'm out there for 55 minutes. I might as well have gone home and argued with my dogs. At least they would have smiled. And I wouldn't have had, it wouldn't have hurt any bullcrap. So unless there's anybody in sales who needs to speak to me about business... Let the word go forth today from... Oh, God. Let the word go forth that at 2.01 every day, Monday through Friday that I'm here, I'll be gone. I'd rather go run naked in traffic for an hour than spend another hour like I did yesterday listening to stories and rationalizations. And then the other, the big guy, and I can't, John, what is his name, John Jarris? I don't know what he, he seems like a nice guy, means well. He drives up in his big Cadillac. What is, what is his title? What is his function? Oh, we don't know. Something to do with Power 96, but also another one of those people. We have all kinds of people upstairs. We got that Ray guy. We got a, oh, we, nobody knows what they do. I, no, seriously, you're laughing, but it's true. We don't know what the Ray Perry, we don't know what he does. And this particular guy has met me in the elevator on a couple of occasions over the last um, month and a half. And said, oh, the Mark Ranieri people from Mark Ranieri, that's Mike's son, his advertising agency, are going to be coming in tomorrow to uh, shoot some uh, footage for the uh, promotional campaign we're going to run on TV. Great. Excellent. Never happened. So I ask him some questions about that. And he tells me, oh, we had all this TV time reserved and we we're going to do this and bada beat and spend a lot of money. And then for some reason, which nobody can get an answer to, it was all put on hold. You know, remember, George, before WIOD was sold, they had a $200,000 TV campaign they were going to run, and then inexplicably, it all got pulled? Remember that? I'm not suggesting that there's a parallel. But I do remember the figure very, very specifically that there was a $200,000 TV and billboard campaign to promote WIOD. It got put on hold, and we couldn't get an answer why. And then all the rumors started really flying hot and heavy. And the next thing we know, Paxson bought the station. Oh, God, he's got his fingers and legs crossed. And his eyes, too. It's 1127 and 560 QAM. As Sally Fist would say, stick it up your ass. Hi there, boys and girls. Today, we've got a very extra special friend stopping by to show us all about something really special. I'm at the door right now. Oh, come on in, Mr. <laughs> McMahon. <laughs> How are you, laddie? Hey, brought by something I wanted to show you. Ooh, ooh, I wonder what it, it is. is. It looks like looks like an octopus with a kilt on. <laughs> That's me bag, boy. Ooh, your bag? Hey. Ooh, what? Can I touch it? Sure, go ahead. Ooh, ooh. It... Run your hands there. That's, that's soft. Hey, that's like really velvet. Soft. Hey. Oh, oh, what, what's this right here? That is my blowpipe. What, what do you do with the blowpipe? You blow on it, lad. You blow, you, you blow on hey, it? Hey, you put your mouth around it and you blow. Oh, can, can I do that? Hey, would you like to blow my pipe, laddie? Oh, can I? Sure, go ahead. Okay. Come on, lad. You've you, you got to put your mouth around it, lad. Don't oh, be afraid okay. it's not going to break. Right, like, like this? Oh, 
Aye, that's a boy. Stick it all the way down your throat. It's getting bigger. Aye, that means you're doing it right. What's this over here? That's me chanter. What's, what do I do with that? What you do with that, laddie, is you put your both hands on it, you cover the hole, and you run your hands up and down the shaft real quick. Ooh, it's making a noise. Hey. Like that? Hey, run your hands up and down it there. Now what you want to do, laddie, is you want to blow on the pipe. You want to squeeze the bag nice and gentle. And then you want to run your hands up and down the shaft real quick. Okay. All uh, together, all at the same time. Okay, here, here we go. Uh, good, laddie. Yeah. Hey, that's good, lad. Sure. That's good, laddie. Keep blowing. Blow harder, laddie. Harder. Squeeze the bag. Squeeze more. Run your hands up and down the shaft. Quick, faster. Run your hands up and down faster. Blow. Blow. Oh, oh. You're playing on my back. After the catch of me breath, maybe. 11.35 on uh, 560 QM. Here's a fax from Bob who says, The talk about radio sports voices reminds me I'm not a big basketball fan, but the guy on WIO that does the heat games is great. I would like to know his name. I put the radio on when I watch a heat game just to hear him. He's the best play-by-play guy in this market, says Bob. He might be talking about Dave Halberstam. Hardaway left wing. Left sideline, Marley. Three point. Oh! Oh, he hit it. Oh, he hit it. Oh, he hit it. I don't mean that was a three. I mean that was from the moon. From the moon, from his restaurant, about three blocks from here. And by the way, Michael Mayo still hasn't apologized to Dave Halberstam for suggesting he ought to get fired over some uh, silly comment that he made last season. Dave Halberstam, great guy, great talent. Here's one that says, how about playing Rick Sanchez squatting on a map? I'm going to tell you, all this uh, flap about Channel 7, I don't watch Channel 7 News. I have a very simple solution for all the people who are psychotic about Channel 7 News. I don't watch it. I, w- I don't, you know, maybe once in a blue moon, I might, my uh, TV uh, might stop there for 30 seconds, depending on what story I might come across during channel surfing, like most people do these days. But I make a very strong practice of not watching Channel 7 News, and then I don't get upset by Ricky Ticky Sanchez or about whatever this story was that everybody was talking about, that they were interviewing some poor little six-year-old girl and stuck a microphone in front of her puss. I mean, there are a bunch of grave robbers over there. They don't care, and that's why I don't watch that news. That's not news. And it's interesting. Those, those are the same people, by the way, complaining, are the ones that complain about this show. They claim they don't like it, and they can't stand it, and they find fault with it. But guess what? They're listening to it. Nobody's forcing them. they got a million choices. I have cable. I have two satellite dishes. To think that I would sit and watch Channel 7 News, I'd have to be some kind of an imbecile. I'd have to be a total, complete, 100% moron to sit there and watch Channel 7 News, which, thank you, I do not. And obviously a lot of people do, and uh, good luck to you, okay? Because what you see is what you get. Well, there's Don Cox holding up his big one. Cigar. 23 till noon on 560 WQAM. If you already own, thank you so much. Here, your gentleman, the scholar. Get those Backstreet Boys on here. Come on, let's go. Get that to number one half. If you already own a cell phone, whether it's anal... Uh, I can't speak at all. I'm just... I'm tongue-tied. I'm psychotic. I'm wound up like an alarm clock. I am. And some people in the building, again, are uh, probably going to be very happy about it. Because it's long overdue. That certain people with a big, disgusting New York mouth get put in their place for once. And stop running around here treating everybody like a bunch of crap. I don't care if you got if it's the guy who throws the garbage out here, the janitor, the guy that washes the cars. I don't care who it is. Treat people with a little bit of decency, common decency and respect. That's all. Which I don't want to mention her name, Phyllis, on the air. 22 till noon on 560 QAM. They end up with the Panthers already. When the hell does the baseball season begin anyway? Here's Andrew Dice Clay for Dice-A-Roni. All right, let's say you're eating. You're sick and tired of potatoes and that stovetop Do like me, honey. Eat this. Dice-A-Roni. Come on, it's almost as simple as you. Put the f***ing bag in the pot and you turn on the f***ing stove. You think you can manage that, honey? Hey, butter bing, the f***ing thing's done. So, remember, Yankee Doodle came to town, 
Riding on a pony, stuck a feather up his ass and called it Dice Aroni. Right, there must have been a little diceroni on the uh, disc there. I like that. That was a great effect. All right. All right. Nice going, guys. Listen, you hear that? <laughs> the uh, CD is hyperventilating in there. It's going ape shot. Why does it seem that it's always, I don't know about you, but it seems that it's usually women who think that they have, uh, not always, I mean, you know, I indicated we have more than the one person here guilty of browbeating of the troops and uh, screaming and hollering and going psychotic. But it seems that generally the majority of people who behave this way toward their fellow... Uh